Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Stanley 
on. And Stanley has had an illustrious career, and we're going to discuss that in just a second. I've got a window that just slammed shut on me, the uh, the difficulty with going live, but here we go. Um, and just a little bit about Stan is, uh, as I said, he um, he could boast of a 55-year career in the entertainment industry, including a phenomenal 12-year run as Chip Douglas on one of television's most popular and durable series, My Three Sons. The series television is the second longest-running situation comedy and has been continuously broadcast for 50 years. Uh, it made its debut in 1960 and was produced for 12 years. Now, since then, he's acted in, in numerous other roles. He's directed uh, television and and many other things, and he's produced. And I, what I want you to do is I want you to actually go to the website, click on, on his link there at the interviews, and read his biography. All right, and, and and when you do, notice also that right there is that link that you can share with other people to listen to the archive show if they're not listening right now. All right, but I want to bring Stanley on because he's a fascinating person, and the project that he is at the helm of, uh, that he has created and put together, uh, is just an absolutely fabulous program called the Actors Journey. Stanley, hi, Stan, are you there? Morning, Rex. Yeah, I'm I'm still here. <laughs> How's that window feel? It all go on your fingers or what? <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, it's it's uh, it's, it's it's that that live thing that whenever anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and suddenly you know windows are closing down that should be open and things like that. But uh, hey. we made it. So uh, that sounds like showbiz. Anything go wrong will go wrong. <laughs> well, it does, and, and and that's why it it uh, it. I hate the word behooves, but it behooves everyone to be. A professional and to be prepared to know what to expect because when the unexpected happens, you got to you do have to think on your feet and uh, people look to you to to be professional and act responsibly. Isn't isn't that correct? Isn't that, uh, That's called being prepared for yeah the advent of anything. And yeah, if you're on a production, uh, when you're planning it out, if you're on the other side of the camera, not the performance side, you you try and think of everything that could go wrong and handle it because even though you take care of those. Those are out of the way. So now, when the things actually do go wrong, you're free to take care of them—the ones you didn't think of. Well, let me ask you this, and I appreciate that. Let me ask you this. Let's, let's start with you. Let's, let's because I mean, you, you've had this illustrious career, and it and it's fantastic. And I'm thrilled to be talking with you right now in the air, because um, I grew up to you. You know, you you and I are about the same age, but I grew up to you and and watched you on TV, and and you know, I followed you throughout the years, uh, and. And there are those people I could say that about, but not that many anymore. So <laughs> I'm, happy to, I'm happy to be able to say that. Uh, so how did you get into My Three Sons? Well, I started in the uh, entertainment world as an actor, actually as an extra, when I was five years old. And In fact, that, that's part of my gripe now is I have this wonderful introduction where it says I'm in the industry for 55 years. So I always think, you know, at one point that sounded great, but now it sounds like, well, wait a minute, if he's been in 55 years, what is this, like an 80-year-old man? But no, I'm not. I started in the uh, industry very young as a child actor. So um, anyway, I started in the industry uh, on a show called Ozzy and Harriet, and I was cast as an extra. And uh, during the shooting of that particular episode, uh, bless his heart, Ozzy Nelson, the star of the show and the producer, decided to give me a line. And I said the line, and he did a close-up of it, and I guess he liked the way I looked and said my line and invited me back. So between 1955 and 1960, I was a neighborhood kid on a show called Ozzy and Harriet. And that kind of got me started. Uh, because of that line, I was actually able to join the Screen Actors Guild, which was an okay thing to do back in the 50s. wouldn't advise that now after your first line in the business. But uh, 
it led to me doing movies. I did a movie called uh, Rally Around the Flag Boys with Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward, uh, Please Don't Eat the Daisies with Doris Day and David Niven, uh, How the West Was Won. And then along about the end of 1959, a, a little show came along called My Three Sons. And uh, by that point in time, I had done a lot of TV, had done movies, uh, and I was requested uh, by the producers to be seen uh, for a role in that show, the role of Chip Douglas. And I went in, and besides the star of the show, which was Fred McMurray, I was the first person hired and and then had to wait around till they cast the other three sons or the other two sons that were left. Uh, the uh-huh. grandfather, the original grandfather on the show came right from the uh, I Love Lucy show, uh, character uh-huh. Fred Murch, which was William Frawley, and he played the grandfather on the show, uh, Bub. So we started My Three Sons in 1960, and that show went on for 12 years. Uh, it, it ultimately became the second longest-running sitcom ever produced uh, for TV. We did it for 12 years and almost 400 episodes. But, wow. uh, you know, having the participation of Fred McMurray, that's kind of what made the show unique. Uh, I suppose I should explain that a little bit. Fred McMurray, in 1960, was a huge, huge mm-hmm. movie star. And movie stars just didn't do the daily grind of a TV series. Uh, what they would do is appear on a friend show, like they would do an episode of an I Love Lucy or maybe a Bob Hope special. And that was the extent of their participation in TV. Uh, Fred had two young daughters at the time that uh, he and June had adopted, and he wanted to be around town. He didn't want to go off and do movies and be gone for six months at a time and uh, decided to do this TV series that was offered to him by a producer named Don Federson, and they created a shooting schedule whereby he could be there for the first two months, work in every single scene, and then go away for the summer for three months while we uh, toiled down in the dungeon making the rest of the shows. And then come back at the end of the year and for a couple more months when we'd finish off the season. And in fact, in those days, we used to shoot 39 episodes uh, a year. I mean, now you're lucky if you do 13. Um, but the significance of that was Fred McMurray. Uh, as I mentioned, he was a huge, huge movie star with, you know, a body of work that was unbelievable uh, at that time. Uh, he was in a film called The Double Indemnity, The Egg and I, uh, The Apartment, uh, Kane Mutiny, I mean, these are all huge, huge films. And uh, the way I kind of put it in perspective for people today, because there's younger people who haven't even heard of Fred McMurray, it would be like Tom Cruise saying, you know what, right. I'm not going to do movies anymore. I've got young kids. I don't really want to go away and not see them grow up. I'm going to hang around L.A. and do these films and go home at night. Uh, but it would be like, you know, uh, Tom Cruise or maybe uh, Michael Douglas deciding to do a TV series. So it was huge huge it was huge when he came on the show and in those days there was only three networks you know there weren't the hundreds or thousands of channels today so when my three sons was watched every week and it immediately became a smash hit uh we had 60 70 million people a week watching that show so it was huge it was and it is such a different day today i mean um you know from 39 to 13 and sometimes not even that many they you know sometimes they're earning four <laughs> some shows are canceled after the pilot yeah, i mean it's just it's amazing and the work schedule and the work ethic that you guys had to embody um you know all very very impressive and um i'm i'm happy to have you here to discuss it what 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 would you say is the is Having said that, also, the, the three networks, I mean, it seems like stars, there are so many people acting today in shows that I don't know, and I used to pride myself when I lived in Los Angeles, and I was, you know, every day and going to coffee with actors and directors and everything, um, 
that, you know, I knew everybody who was anybody, you know, on TV. I knew, you know, I knew the set dressers from 1930 movies. You know, I I knew the obscure people because that was my business. But now there's so many people on TV and so many shows that I've never heard of. I don't know because there's so many channels. But when you had three channels, I mean, you guys were in so many households, you know, every week. Yeah. Exactly yeah. what you're saying because there were only three uh, three networks genera- generating programming that you you know you you would eventually learn everybody that was on TV I guess if you were a TV watcher but today we have thousands of channels and like you said there's thousands and thousands of actors but you know very few stick out where they you know last that long I mean the shows just don't last that long yeah you know, if they're right. lucky if they have a shelf life of a couple of years and then they're they're gone uh, you know that's what I say and I'm at one point, my three sons was a thorn in my side when it finished because I thought, oh gosh, I'm stereotyped. I'll never work again. But I did. But who would imagine 50 years later, and that's what it is, that my three sons is still shown not only in the United States, but all over the world. I mean, we've had runs on uh, Nick at Night, Nickelodeon, TV Land, the Family Channel, Hallmark Channel. I think it's on a, a new upstart uh, network now called Me TV. Mm hmm. So it's uh, it's getting a new life again, <laughs> and I, I've been getting residuals lately uh, from in flight, which means uh, I guess they're forcing people on airliners to watch it. So you're never going to escape my three cents. It just goes on and on <laughs> for 50 years. It's it's pretty amazing, but it, it's really a great show, and I mean it sort of promulgates the uh, family values that I think are kind of missing from contemporary TV. So uh, you know, a lot of families like to watch it. Well, uh, how has the business changed through the years that you've observed? I mean, you've put together the actor's journey uh, because, sadly, it is desperately needed and has been desperately needed for quite some time. And and now you and now you have something available that that actors. And, you know what? I, you know, I was watching it and I thought, you know, this is critical information for actors. But not just actors, because almost, with the exception of headshots and, and you know casting information and, and all the valuable golden nuggets that you give to to actors to advance their careers, but anybody can really apply this. So, you know, whether you're an editor, a screenwriter, a director, a producer, you know, it's it's having a great business sense that is important. Yeah, yeah, you could, you know, if you're a writer, whenever we say uh, uh, a headshot or a reel, just you know. Substitute your script in, I guess you could say, or if you're a director, your demo reel. But yeah, the way you go about it uh, is the same. And as you're saying, it's always been needed since the beginning of time. Uh, you know, actors have gone off and studied acting, applied the trade in the sense that at whatever school they chose to attend, whether it was a mom and pop school or a prestigious uh, acting academy or a college or a university, or you know, some people end up going to Yale and Harvard and studying, you know, theater arts and acting. Uh, and the costs are all over the place. Be, you know, the costs of becoming an actor, especially today, are, are tremendous. You know, even if you go to a mom and pop school by the time you're ready to go, you've probably dropped anywhere between five and fifteen thousand dollars. And if you're going to one of the colleges or universities, you're looking at thirty to sixty thousand uh, know, dollars. If you're going to Yale or Harvard, it's probably north of a hundred thousand dollars. So you're making an investment in yourself, um, and that's great because you are going to need that that backbone as an actor. That that's what you fall on. But 
the the problem is this is a two component industry and unfortunately that's not taught and not told to actors until after they finish the acting programs that they're going to be confronted with this other aspect of becoming an actor and it's not just the acting skills and performance skills and the nuances of of you know acting it it becomes all about the business side and there's been nowhere for actors to go to get this business information that they need to launch their careers and to advance them and to sustain them and that's been troublesome to actors you know for those you know last five generations ten generations it's like how do i go about bringing my talent which i spent a lot of money on and spent so much time and effort developing to a professional level and now I can't bring it to the industry that I wanted to bring it to. It, it, you know, it, it's almost sad. Uh, and the only way actors have had a chance to go about this is the same way I, I did it and every actor before me, which is you go to the school of hard knocks. You just get out there and try and do it, and you have one little experience at a, at a time. But the industry itself is like this big picture puzzle. And if you can imagine a huge, huge picture puzzle that are all blank pieces. They're all white. And every time you go out and have an experience, you get one of these little pieces that's white. The problem is you don't know where it fits. You don't know if it fits next to this one or over here. or You've only got a couple of them to begin with, so you don't even know what's next to it. So you're absorbing the information so slowly because the experiences don't come day after day after day. Sometimes there's, there's a month or months, years between right. experiences for actors because they don't know what they're doing in the beginning. That's that's the problem. What you find out acting becomes all about is trying to gather this business information up so, one, you can make sense of the industry itself and how it really works, not what you've been told at work, you know, how it works through, you know, entities like uh, the Entertainment Channel make it look like everything is the red carpet, and that that's really the industry. Well, the industry really has nothing to do with that, or going to get work has nothing to do with that. It's... Um, you know, and it's really difficult. So what we decided to do was create a program, and we've seen the need for this, like I said, for generations. Mm-hmm. Nobody did anything about it, and we've all lamented that there wasn't such a thing as a program that taught actors everything about the business side of the industry. So uh, we created this program called the Actors' Journey Project, um, and there's actually two programs. One's called the Actors' Journey. Uh, the other's called the Actors' Journey for Kids. The Actor's Journey for Kids is actually for the parents of child and teen actors. But uh, I guess today we'll just focus on the Actor's Journey, which is for <laughs> adult actors. Meaning, you're, By adult, I mean you're at least 18 years or older because it's a whole different ball of wax compared to the parents who are trying to do this for their children. And that brings them up to 17 years old. But the second you turn 18, it's a new game. Well, and I always use the term young actor or young filmmaker, and I don't mean in necessarily their age. I mean that they may be new to the business and they're young and they could be 90. So, you know, uh, if you if you hear me say young actor and you say adult actor, we'll, we'll, everybody should know what we're talking about now. <laughs> Absolutely, because, yeah, as we discuss the actor's journey, you'll find out that there's actually a segment in there for new actors who aren't exactly young, but there are a lot of people that come to our industry uh, later in life as a second career. You know, maybe they even tried it earlier when they were 18 or 20 and 24, and just, again, the business part of the industry got in the way, and they just couldn't get where they wanted to go. There was nowhere to turn to for the information, you know, substantial information, and what I call critical information that comes from reliable sources. There's a lot of information out there right now. I mean, if you go on the Internet, right. but it's very, very generic. Um, you know, you're going to, almost everybody's telling you the same thing. And if it was all about just getting headshots and a reel together and getting an agent, 
everybody be doing it and there'd be no problems. Um, and we could have covered that probably in about a half-hour-long program. We have a 10-hour program for adults. That's what the Actors' Journey Project is. It's 10 hours long. And, you know, unfortunately for actors, the devil's in the details. It's the nuances that never get discussed and all the things that unless you've been in the trenches for decades, you're not even going to know about. So when somebody's been in the industry, you know, two years, three years, five years is talking about doing this, it's a completely different perspective than somebody who's done this for 20, 30 years. I mean, you, you really know everything, and that's what we tried to do with the Actors' Journey Project. One of the criteria was we wanted to involve about 100 people doing this. Uh, one of the criteria was that they had to be in the industry for at least 20, 25 years, so we knew that they know whereof they speak. They have a huge amount of credits, and these are substantial credits, not just you know playing an extra in something for 20 years and that's it. Most of these people were stars of TV shows, starred in movies, directed big movies, and it's not just actors because that was the other thing that we decided right. that we wanted this to be. It's not just actors talking to actors. That's great, and that's primarily where actors get their information from is other actors. But you need to know the perspective of a director, of a producer, an executive producer, a showrunner a casting director, a talent agent, a talent manager. We even involved, at the time we shot, the president of the Screen Actors Guild, the president of the Directors Guild of America. Uh, there are several people that sat on various boards at the Screen Actors Guild. So this is critical information coming from people who really do know what they're talking about. It's not just stuff that they've picked up from the, uh, the Internet and are now handing to you secondhand. Um, and that's a lot of what goes on today. That's the reason still nobody gets anywhere. Well, it is an impressive, impressive cast of of both in front of and behind the scenes camera, uh, you know, behind the camera talent uh, that you put together. Before we go any further, and I and I've got a question for you, but before we go any further, you got a website that you can mention where people can uh, look into uh, uh, getting more information or actually yeah, absolutely, the they should go to theactorsjourney.com. Uh, again, that's theactorsjourney.com. And there's information about you know what the program is, uh, the people that are involved in it. There's clips there, so you can see that we're telling you there are people that are involved that are uh, there are people that you're certainly going to recognize, uh, primarily the actors and all that. Some of the people behind the camera you may or may not heard of, but they are top people in the industry. Uh, uh, one of the directors is Richard Donner. He's the guy that did all the Rick lethal weapon movies and Superman and you know, just scores of films. So. The people are of that caliber. In fact, I think about 35, 40 of these people have either been nominated or won Academy, Emmy, Golden Globe Awards. So they're not beginners. No, they, they certainly aren't. And, and and one of the things that I, you know, I was telling you is, is that I watched, you know, uh, much of this program, and and you know. I've been in the business 40 years, and so I, there were things that I would say, wow, you know, I know that, you know, that's what we discussed, uh, you know, or I didn't know that, or, boy, I wish I had known that. Or, I mean, there were so many different responses to this program that even now, for, for someone like myself who's who's older, uh, but still young at heart, uh, but who's older because we're not 80-year-old men, but, uh, you know, it, there is something there. There's, I mean, there's not just something. There's an incredible amount of information, valuable information, uh, to go on and to to utilize and to apply 
in this day and age, even for someone my age, as, as you mentioned, for older people who, who are looking at second careers, I mean, it is it is literally chock full of things. And and I I, I tell my listeners, I, hey, I have no financial stake in this. I, I love the program. I love what Stanley's doing. And uh, and if you're an actor and or anyone in the film business, I, I do. I, I I think you should get this and uh, and uh, and get it right away. But Stanley, let me ask you this. Um, you know, I, I would sit around in Schwab's or Nate Nails or you know, arts or something like that back in the in, back in the day, or right? get some commissary somewhere, bemoaning the fact that there was somebody working who had no talent, and it it would you know, and my actor friends and cronies and everybody would all say, oh, that person can't act their way out of a paper bag, but they were the star of a TV series. Um, the, the 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 question that I have inside of that is that which. Again, I'll preface. When I went to acting school, and I went to a lot of different acting schools, so much of the focus was on craft, 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 craft. You got to be the best actor. You know, you should be acting even if you if you're not hired out in the desert. Go act. You know, and and be the best actor. And I, I agree with that. But I always felt at that time that and and um, and why I love what you're doing so much is that that there weren't the people around who could mentor you, who could say, here's what you need to know, here's what you need to do, and treat it like a business. And so, you know, we did wonder, and there were no roadmaps in, in those days, but the focus seemed to be, you know, be an artist. And, you know, being an artist, that's only part of the equation, because a lot of these people who were working weren't that great of artists. So well, you know, having talent, that... <laughs> lack of talent has never stopped anybody from getting involved in our industry, and maybe they were just better business people than they were actors. Um, there is so, a question. Yeah, I mean, you know, just the appearance of actors, too, over the generations has changed. You know, the era that I came out, unless you were a perfect-looking person, the industry practically right. didn't even want you. Well, I mean, that's one of the benefits right now to actors is, one, you don't have to be in L.A., New York, Chicago to launch like you did years ago. You can be in any one of 38 cities. It's, you know, you don't have to look like Brad Pitt anymore or, you know, Angelina Jolie to get cast in something. In fact, to the contrary, we are now in the era where they want very real-looking people. I mean, they even want people with handicaps. I watched a, a show the other night, and they had an actor who was deformed, um, but he was an actor, and they put him on. It wasn't makeup, and they used him. Or there are people that are in handicap, you know, that are challenged physically. And, you know, they want everybody represented, all ethnicities. So you know, we're, you know, we're really an amazing industry in that way, is that everybody's welcome to come in. Uh and people come from all walks of life and all backgrounds, but there are two requirements. One, again, like you said, you you need to go to school and and learn the acting and as best you can and rise right. to the level of ability that you're you're able to. Um, sometimes, unfortunately, that that's a subjective thing. And you know, although people may be really good actors, the level of ability that's required. Uh, you're not quite there, and that, that could cause you problems. So you're always working on your craft. It's not that you just go to acting right. school in the beginning and quit. If you're really an actor, you're going to be doing this your entire life. You know, you're not in class anymore to learn the basics, but you're there to keep the wheels greased uh, because acting, I think, is something that you can get rusty at very quickly unless you're up there doing it on a weekly basis. So even actors like Al Pacino, they show up in class because they just want to try things or they want to keep the wheels greased and do scenes with other people or experiment around trying something else. So that always goes on. But acting is something that once you've got the basics out of the way, you stick it in your back pocket and now you're confronted with the other end of the industry which again is called the business side of the industry uh, and you've got to go out there and learn how to you know get work to learn how to navigate the industry 
And there are just so many subtleties to that that it's, a, it's almost impossible to learn on your own. I mean, here's the statistics. Over 99% of the people that try to get into the industry, and I'm talking about people who have already had their training, look like Brad Pitt. They look great. Um, they have talent in addition to the training, and they don't get in. So that tells you something is wrong. That tells you something wrong. And the thing that's been wrong is the fact that their their experiences in learning how to become an actor are not coupled with a, a program that teaches you the business side. And like I said, you, it's almost impossible to learn this on your own. Most people just get lucky, and that that's you know how they get in. But just getting in is not you know is not the end game because you have to sustain a career if you're doing this as a lifelong venture. Um, you need to know what you're doing. You know, I always look at it as like any other type of business requires the same thing. You know, so if you liken it to becoming, I want to open a restaurant because I, I like cooking and I, I, want, I want to become a chef. You go off to chef school, you learn how to cook all these great recipes, but that's not the end of the game. You've got to learn how to run a restaurant and a restaurant business so you can, you know, propagate the business. Um, but acting is something people seem to think they can come to with just one of the components. Hey, I look good, or I'm talented, or I'm skilled. Yeah, the industry is going to welcome me in, and it doesn't. This is, there's thousands, tens of thousands of people that look good that are skilled. So how do you differentiate yourself from them? And the only way you can really do this in this day and age is really know what you're doing on the business side of the industry. That That's the demarcation line that uh, actors really need to think about um, you know, they're very serious about craft. They need to be as serious about the business side and, and learning it. And you can't really blame actors over the last couple of generations because there's no nowhere to turn to to have gathered this information. It's just out there. And like I said, you had to go to the school of hard knocks, and you either got lucky or you didn't. That's the reason a formal program was needed, so that actors don't have to struggle. We live in the age of information, and if you can gather that information prior to going into the industry, imagine hitting the ground running with a program you know, such as the one you, what you've been watching. It's, you know what I'm talking about now. If you have all that information at your fingertips, it makes your job a lot easier to decipher what's going on or to know what to do next so that you don't kill your career right in the beginning by making a foolish mistake. And there's so many things that actors can do. They join the union. They come to L.A. The second day they decide they want to be in the industry. And, I mean, those are some of the bigger boo-boos. There's, just, there's thousands of things you can do wrong, but they're all illuminated in this program so you don't waste your time or your money. I mean, usually you find out about something after you've spent your last dollar that, oops, I just went the wrong way, or, oops, I didn't need that. It's all kinds well, of it, it, you know, there's, I mean, there's, there's incredible information about headshots and reels and, and auditions and casting directors and what you need to know and, and how to behave and, 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 and things like that. The the uh, I think you and I could both say, and, and so many people, when we talk about you know how many people make it or don't make it is all you have to do is look at your different acting workshops that uh, people might have been in and how many people are actually working and how many people have gone away you know just you just they're just not there anymore they tried it for a year or they tried it for four years or something and they gave up and 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 i don't mean that in a pejorative sense but 
it is a it is it is I've always said you can chain yourself to a studio wall and people will walk by you and not even give you the time of day. Oh, you know, yeah. you, well, that's you one know, reason before people even immerse themselves in this program. You know, we're obviously here to sell, not because we want the money. We want to make your life easier as an actor. But we actually encourage people to say, look, go out there and try it first. Go out, you know, go get your headshot, go get your reel, and try and get an agent, have your resume, and go do it for a while so you know what we're talking about. When you feel the the cold and different shoulder of the industry and you're not making any progress, suddenly you're going to realize there's something wrong, that although you may be a skilled actor, there is this other thing that all actors are confronted with, and it is the business side, and it is like an insurmountable wall around the industry with a moat in front of that. And until you you gather certain skills, you're not going to know how to get over the moat or up and over the wall. Um, So, yeah, that's that's a a real big problem for actors. Unfortunately, you don't find out about the moat wall until you've spent $40,000 to $60,000 on the acting classes and actually get out there. And that that we like actors actually to get out there and experience that because, you know, even if you're going to take our program, that's great. I mean, you'd hit the road running and you'll know what to do and won't make any of those mistakes. But I think it's important actually to get out there and make them so you know why this is so important or how, how much you would have struggled without this. That that's the kind of feedback we we get, you know, from people that have taken the uh, the program. It's like I did try this for a while, and it was impossible. I knew I was not going to get in. And after the, you know, after taking this program, it's like, oh my God! Well, no wonder I wasn't getting anywhere. I, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I had not no clue, no clue. So. Uh- I need to take a little break right now, but I mean, this is fabulous information. When we come back, what I'd like to do is, is, is kind of talk about some of the nuts and bolts about what people need to do. We get a question in the chat room, for example, meaning what exactly is the business side? And uh, and and, and uh, let me take the break, and then and then we'll come back. All right, Sammy? Absolutely. I'll be right here. All right. Thank you. So you're listening to RexSykes.com, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. It's the official website for Rex Sykes Movie Beat. All of these interviews are stored there in the interviews blog as well as available as podcasts through iTunes. So go be sure to continue to share these. Please do leave comments both during, uh, before, during, and after the show. You can do that right there at the Blog Talk radio site. You can do that at iTunes, and you can do that on Twitter or Facebook because live tweets are another way that you can reach out to people and appreciate it when you do. Uh, my upcoming guests uh, after today will be uh, Rod Lurie, the director of the recent Star, uh, Straw Dogs, and uh, he'll be coming up next. And then after he is Brendan Moriarty. He directed a fabulously interesting film called Road to Freedom about the disappearance of Sean Flynn, Errol, son's, Errol Flynn's son. Uh, Jane Espenson, who's uh, known for writing, she's now producing it, but she's written uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Serenity and Firefly and Angel and all sorts of my favorite shows. We've got uh, Lenny Bintendo, who is the producer of Kiss and a Promise, a, a great disturbing movie uh, about a serial killer. Mark Frost, a co-creator of Twin Peaks, will be joining us after that. And uh, he's also a producer, I mean, besides producer, he's a writer and director. And then Peter Marshall will return for our director series. Uh, we're in uh, script analysis for directors. How do you translate the screenplay to uh, get that vision up on the screen? So those are some of the guests. Please do keep sharing this website. And um, we're back with Mr. Stan Livingston um, for my three sons and so many other projects, and especially uh, the Actors Journey project. Now, Stanley, here, here's a question that that uh, that I have for you, and it, and it also comes from the from the chat room. You know, actors know to act; they know to go to workshops 
and and that's about it, you know. And and if you went to college, and some people will criticize college itself for any business, you you learn what you're supposed to do, but but somehow you learn a little bit about the business that you're in. So hopefully you can navigate that business. But when it comes to acting, as we as, as you mentioned, as we were discussing, that that is is not the case. I mean, there's there's no roadmap, there's no plan, there's no nothing. So they come to Hollywood, they try and get an agent, they they try and do this stuff, and they either sink or they swim or they you know they're they're treading water for a long time. What is the business side? What do actors need to know right now? Uh, and this goes through the chat room. You know, is it marketing? Is it sending out postcards? What do they do to get work? How 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 do they navigate these waters? Well, by first of all, by realizing that there is a business side. That that's one of the biggest problems I think that actors have is not recognizing and admitting that there is a business side to this. So right. they throw all their money and all their weight behind the acting and think that's you know because that's fun. That believe me, that's fun. That's what we got into the industry to do. But uh, you cannot ignore the business side. Probably what I should tell you about is things not to do, uh, because these are things that will like back you right into the corner immediately with right. your career. Like I was saying, we have people who do try to get into the industry before they're really qualified to get into the industry. Um, by that, I mean they don't have any experience. Uh, and the experience comes in all different ways. I mean, there's, we actually encourage people to go become extras first before they do this, even if they have the training as an actor and you just came from Juilliard or you came from Yale or Harvard. You want to get on a set just so you can acclimate right. yourself and see what's going on and how the process is done. Because it, the way it's done in reality, once you're out of school, is a completely different thing that you're confronted with. And you know what? A lot of people find out, that it, and it's good to find this out. I mean, it may be good to find out this isn't for me, even though you spend all this money becoming <laughs> an actor, because the process of making movies and making TVs is very tedious. It's, it's almost like a factory-type job. And, you know, some people just can't cut it. But here's a chance where it's low pressure. You get to observe. You see how different directors work. You see how shows are put together. You see how comedies are made versus, you know, drama. Uh, you get to see how sets are run and how you're participating in. And you also get to see the long hours that are put in to get just minutes of what ends up on the screen. Now, you don't want to become an extra forever. It's a good way to get your feet wet and not have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders, but you can see what's going on. Uh, as we discussed kind of before, you know, a thing that actors do, some actors do get lucky, right? Out of the gate, they get a union job, meaning it's a SAG film. Uh, they're not Screen Actors Guild, but they're hired anyway. And at the end of the production, uh, they're given a waiver, a Taft-Hartley, which allows them now to join the union because they spoke a line of dialogue that uh, will appear on camera. Uh, and most actors, in their glee and their exuberance to get into the industry and advance their career, think, think that joining the Screen Actors Guild or the union is the, the correct thing to do. That's the next move. Well, it isn't. It isn't. And unfortunately, because there's so little information really about the business side of the business out there, that it is completely the wrong thing to do. And people ask, well, why would that be the wrong thing to do? I'm a professional actor now. I set a line, and you know, I'm going to get more work. Well, the reality is if you had one scene, more than likely you're holding the door open for Brad Pitt and going, this way, sir, let me grab your bag, or you know, hand me the screwdriver. <laughs> Kind of stuff. Right, exactly. But that's how you get in the business. That's that's how you get that Taft Hartley. You don't have to invoke the Taft Hartley immediately. What you really want to do, put it in your back pocket because you can invoke it any time. You know, the next day or three years later, 
what you really want to do is go out and start getting other work. And the chances of getting two consecutive union jobs, good luck, especially at the beginning of your career. But the other work counts, too. The non-union work, student films, anything you can do to get yourself on camera where you're you know, having more than a couple of lines, a good scene, you know, maybe even the starring role in a non-union film. But that's what directors are going to look at. That's what casting directors are going to look at. That's what an agent's going to look at, decide whether to hire you or take you on to their agency. That's what gets you work. It's the real. It has nothing to do with being in the Screen Actors Guild. So what you want to do is acquire a body of work before you actually invoke that Taft-Hartley. And then the next time a union job comes up, you've got a reel to show, and you're going to be hired on the basis of that. And they, if they say, are you in the union, you say, no, but I can be in the union this afternoon or by tomorrow morning. and just walk this in, and I'll have my union card. That's why I'm saying there's an order to things, and people sometimes jump the cart um, you know, in their exuberance. They put the horse before the cart or the cart before the horse, in their uh, exuberance to get involved in the industry and make a mistake. Well, here's the reason you don't want to join the union on your first job. The likelihood of you getting another job, not too likely. So what happens now? So you're sitting there and you're a member of the union, and, oh, here comes this role along in a non-union film, and they want you. Well, guess what? You can't do it. Or certain student films you can't do. And those would advance your career because maybe you have a really good role in them, a good scene, or maybe you're the star of it. But you can't go off and do this now because you've just joined the union and you've just pledged not to do any non-union work. And if you go off and do it and the Screen Actors Guild finds out about it, and they always do, you're now kicked out of the union never to get back in. So you've just painted yourself into a pretty bad corner. Um, you know, you, you will have the, the Screen Actors Guild card. You'll be able to pay dues for the rest of your life, and you probably won't work. We have a whole union full of people like that that you know got waivers or got a Taft-Hartley and got into the union. You know, I had a friend who just recently, he, he worked on, on Transformers 3 with Michael Bay, and he showed up for an extra call, and they singled him out and said, you know, we uh, we, we want you. And his day went from one day to three weeks. They they, they featured him as one of Patrick Dempsey's henchmen, and uh, and he worked not only locally here in Milwaukee, but also in Chicago, and he was thrilled. He was like, I got to be on the set. I got to watch. I got to work, you know, hang out with Michael Bay. Michael Bay then requested him for a, a, sh a commercial shoot that he was doing, and uh, I said, so are you SAG? He said, nope. And uh, you said, I didn't want to be, but not yet. And I was like, wow, man, you are smart. And uh, because he knows, you know, that 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 uh, since that time, there's not all that much union work uh, available for him here, whether it was here or, you know, anywhere else. So, uh, you yeah. know, what you say is, is very apt, and, and I was glad that he that he had that. Well, you know, one of the things that, that's really uh, apparent by by listening to some of the 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 guest talent on on the actor's journey is is and it's something I had never thought about um but boy I you know I was I was the victim of it myself my own thinking and that was actors are in a rush we want fame yesterday we don't want it you know 10 20 30 years from now we we got to have it tonight you know, it, and I don't know why that is, but but and now today we've got these shows like you know American Idol or X Factor or you know so many things where it appears, or even even Entertainment Tonight, it appears that these people come out of nowhere. But if you actually go back and look at IMDb, a lot of these people have been around ten or fifteen yeah. years before they, you know, and they did start with a you know a flower for Miss Brooks kind of line somewhere, 
and their next job wasn't starring in a TV series. They they didn't co-star with Jack Nicholson in a movie. You know, they had another one-liner. You know, a year later, or three years later, they had a. You know, I mean, there is there's this kind of progression that casting directors that this industry does make for actors. They they because they, they want to know, right? They want to know that if I hire, you know so-and-so tomorrow, that they're able to carry the scene with a professional actor. Exactly. You know, hold the whole thing up or screw it up or, you know. Well, because everybody's staking their reputation on That's one thing actors don't think. They think it's all about them. Well, it doesn't really work that way. Here's the way it works. Is when an agent calls a casting director and makes a submission of you and maybe you're just beginning your career, what they're really doing with the casting director is staking their reputation, the agent's reputation, that you should see this person. They're of a level of acting ability that you will like, and they're a professional person and know the ropes and know what to do and what not to do. The actor goes in and now meets the casting person. They're either impressed by that person's talent and their demeanor, or they're they're not and going, oh, my God, I'm never going to see this person again, or I'm never going to do business with this agent again. The casting director now, in turn, vouches their reputation to the producer and the director when that person walks through the door. So there's a lot of people putting their job on the line by even bringing you into the room that you're not going to embarrass them. Right, and right. sometimes actors squeak through and end up embarrassing, you know, not only the casting director, the agent themselves. <laughs> they get to end up on a list never to be seen again. And, you know, you don't want that at the beginning of your career. Your career's over on day one. And that, and that can, and it does happen. Now, we get somebody in the chat room who's going, well, now this sounds a little bizarre to them. They go, you know, do some extra work. You know, get a SAG card, but don't join, you know, uh, because, and it, and, it, and it may be tough getting your SAG card anyway from extra work. So I, I, they seem a bit confused as to, you know, okay, I, I kind of get the step, but I don't really get the step. So what next? I mean, is, is, there, is there a thing, you know, what, okay, now what? Well, you would keep going because what you want to do is get a body of work. I mean, the, the extra thing is nice because it allows you to see how the process is done, and that's something that I think you have to acclimate yourself to. I mean, a lot of people arrive at a set thinking, you know, they're going to be doing what they see on the E! Channel, that it's very glamorous. It's not. You know, your call could be 4 in the morning, 6 in the morning, you're in makeup, and they go, you know, we need you here at 7 o'clock, and then you don't work till noon. Then you work for 15 minutes, and you may not work till 3 in the afternoon again. You're just sitting around. So a lot of it is, you know, is pretty boring work. It's almost like being in the military, you know, it's Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do they say? It's sort of uh, like hours and hours of sheer boredom, punctuated by you know moments of sheer terror. Um, you know, the acting industry is kind of the same thing. You're sitting there, and all of a sudden you're called to do something, and then you know it's probably when you're not expecting it, and you got to get up and you got to deliver. That's when you rely on your your acting technique and your your performance skills. That you're they're finally ready to use those, but otherwise they lay dormant until that moment arrives. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I think working, you just have to be careful about it because there are people that see you, and if you do have, a, if you are a good type uh, and look unusual or looks, you know, you know, some unusual way that you think can advance your career, you will be known pretty quick in your little area. But you don't want to keep going back and keep doing extra roll after extra roll, or you, you will become known as an extra. You just want to do it to get your feet wet, to see what's going on, to see if you like it, to see how people are professionally conducting themselves on a set. But the goal is is just to have the experience and then move on, move on quickly. And, uh, you know, you want to try and submit for other types of roles, whether they're student films, um, industrial doesn't matter what it is. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you've gotten that far into it, but uh, one of the producers 
just like actors, producers start out doing the same thing. They don't work on high-profile pieces. Oh, right, right. You know, we end up directing, you know, industrials, educational films. And they were talking about, uh, yeah, these are the guys that did Tremors and uh, Batteries Not Included, uh, Short Circuit. When they started their career, that's how they started. They were doing small films. But it was interesting. Somebody came to them later. They were putting a compilation reel of of uh, Brett, uh, Brent's uh, work together. And... Uh, his editor called in the room and said, hey, check this out, this whole industrial that you did on a factory floor. Look at this guy right here. And they looked at it, and you know who it was? Kevin Costner. Uh-huh. You know, he was there. It was probably the you know beginning of his career when he thought, geez, you know, I'd like to get in the industry, and I don't know anything about it, and showed up for this casting call or maybe worked in that you know particular facility and thought, hey, you know, this is my chance to get into the business. But there he is. Everybody starts that way. There's nothing. Don't be embarrassed by it. You know, it, it, it's your. It, there's kind of a longevity to the career. You start at the bottom and work your way up. That's the way it is. You're gathering experiences, and the only way you can gather those is by always showing up and being there. Because every job that you get from the smallest thing, whether it's an industrial, a commercial, is an experience. And here, here's one of the other things that actors never really think about. They're always so focused on getting the job. You know, when you go on interviews, and even when you're working on the set, it's about the job in one way. And, and when you're on an interview, auditioning, it's, it's about the job. But there's an even bigger picture that sometimes actors don't grasp. It's more about meeting the people in that room and impressing Absolutely. them. That's really what it's about because guess what? That job is just a day's work or a week's work, and then it's over. But the people that you met in that room that you made an impression on, go on the following week. They're doing something else. And if you're good, they remember you, and they want to bring you back in. Become part of their posse, you know, if possible, that they use people over and over again. I mean, if you watch Ron Howard films, you see the same faces pop up. Uh, you know, same thing uh, with a, a lot of big directors. They've got people that they've come they've learned to rely on that are kind of their character actors. Clint Eastwood, for instance. If you watch his films, especially the earlier stuff, you're going to see the same guys in there. It's always the same thugs coming up in every movie. So, um, yeah, the idea is to get in there and just have the experience and meet the people. That is how you start your Rolodex. People go on the next week, they do other jobs, whether it's the producer, the director, the casting director, and if they think of you, you know, that's what you want them to do. We'll call you up again for another role. And sometimes that's how careers get built, uh, you know, one one little job at a time and one little contact at a time. So you're really there to meet the people. If you get the job, hey, that's gravy. The you know the, 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 this is such crucial information because there's an axiom actually that that I used in in my business for for now nearly thirty years, and that is that people uh, say yes to people they like, and 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 you know if. If all things are equal, you got a person you like and a person you don't like, or a person who you're neutral about, and you have the opportunity to do business, or you're going to buy something from someone, or, or you know, you're going to pick the person you like. So, the idea that the job is the most important it is for actors because they think I got to eat, I got to pay my rent, I got to feed my dog or my children or whatever. You know, for them it seems to be critical, but what really comes down to is relationships that you build, the sincere relationships that you develop of people who you know and who know you. And, and that's always the, 
the the uh, again I think an important piece. Right. You can know a lot of people, but if they don't know who you are, then then you're never going to get called. So if, and they may know who you are, and it, it really comes down to a matter of trusting you that when right. they give you the gift of the job that you're reliable and are going to deliver that they can count on you. It's like hey, you know that scene I told you you're going to do at noon. Well, we're doing it at 4 a.m. Oh, poor, I can't make, you know, they don't want to hear that. you got to be there. Right. And that, that's what I'm saying. The, the devil is in the details here. You can get in that room and even thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm here to meet these people, but there are the nuances of being in that room that actors don't know what to say, what to do. You know, they know to read the lines, but, how, you know, what are the protocols and the etiquette of being in that room? There's things that, you know, you can do and you shouldn't do apart from reading the, the script and reading your lines. You're going to, you're there for that. But there's other things where you learn how to deal with being in that room, not only being comfortable, but how can I start a conversation with these guys without being thrown out of the room? Um, you know, so, I mean, th- these are like the details that we get into, say, in the audition part of the actor's journey. There's things that you can do in that room that... The only reason you're going to know about them is we've culled this information from actors who've been doing this for 30 years. So they've learned what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do. They've made every mistake in that room. So you can find out about it ahead of time before you go in there. And, hey, you know, you don't have to stand there shivering in your shoes thinking, oh, gosh, I hope they hire me, and not knowing what to do or be intimidated by the process. You will know how the process works in that room. And in every aspect of what we're trying to teach you, there's about 60 uh, different uh, segments that are involved that we felt comprise, you know, pretty much the the industry from a business point of view. And there's a bigger picture, but it's the, it's the details, it's the nuances that we're giving you that, like I said, are pulled from people that have been doing this all this time. So that that's what's really important. Now, I, I want to let the listeners know that that you and I have discussed. You know, uh, uh, one, uh, you know, I want you back on the show so we can talk about your career. You know, both uh, as an actor and producing and directing and and helming this project. Uh, I also asked you because you've 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 filmed like 250 hours worth of stuff and you've you've edited 10 hours. You know, that process that we can <laughs> discuss for for filmmakers and editors and directors who are who yeah. are into. You know, but but also we're going to you know the actor's journey for children. We we'll come back and. We'll talk about that. So people who are in the chat room going, well, what about kids today? You yeah, know, that's a whole different you know, that, follow-up. That and, 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 and hopefully we're going to have some of the guests from your program on my show, and, and they can talk about different aspects too. But we have, you know, my listeners are A-list listeners all the way to newbies and, and, and then fans. There's some people who have no desire to act or filmmake, but they like listening to the show. There are other people who are just getting involved. And then there are those people all the way up to the top who listen. And so if can we fast forward just a little bit, because there are some people in the chat room who are saying, okay, so what about the the more advanced actor? I've got an agent. I you know I've done my classes or I'm doing classes. You know I want to know how to book more work. What do I need to do or or what tips do can you know Stan give me for working that room or or being with those you know people when I get in that meeting? And um, exactly. Well, what advanced actors don't don't think about is you know they think their careers are now rolling and set in stone. And you know even we our apple carts are upset occasionally too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes we're bucking stereotypes that need to be broken, and you know, sometimes we don't have the perception of ourselves to come out of ourselves and see ourselves objectively from you know a, a bigger point of view of how we fit into the industry. The, the big problem I would say for everybody up to this point is everybody is deficient 
in this business side of the industry because we all grew up and we had our experiences, but they're limited to our own experiences. You know, we weren't able to talk to every actor who's ever done this or met every director and learn what they wanted or every casting director. You know, so you are the sum total of all the people that you've met and the experiences that you've had. But, you know, uh, I've had senior actors who've had great careers. Uh, most of them, you know, work very hard as actors to learn the craft somehow got a lucky break, and it perpetuated itself into a career, you know, for 20 years, 30 years. But guess what? You know, actors get older, um, agents go away, agents die, agents drop you. And that can be really startling for an actor who's had a career 20, 30 years. All of a sudden their agent says, hey, guess what? Next week I retire. Um, Good luck, you know. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes these older actors are handled by a single agent. They're not with a conglomerate or with a big company. Sometimes right. they are, and they hand you off to somebody that you don't know, and you're going, well, this guy doesn't know me. And then all of a sudden the phone quits ringing. you got a 22-year-old guy handling your career, where before that you had a, a 50- or 60-year-old guy who you know went with you through your whole career. So what do you do? How do you handle that? And most of these actors don't have a clue. They would not have a clue how you go out there and find another agent or another manager. So you can find yourself left in the lurch, and your career is suddenly closing in on you because you never learned the business. You know, there's a lot of people in the industry that got in and lucked out and were able to go from job to job and work enough to sustain themselves throughout a year uh, without having to you know, work outside the industry. But then something happens. And they're in the most vulnerable position uh, because here's why. The, this is one of the good things if you're a new actor to the industry. This industry loves two different type of people. One is the new actor. We're always trying to make discoveries and discover the next Brad Pitt or whoever, some huge you know, new star. The other actor is the $20 million actor. Well, you're not the $20 million actor because you haven't got there yet, but you are the new actor. So that that's good. You know, Somebody can say, hey, this is this guy's starting point. We had him in our film, and that's happened with a lot of actors where they would put somebody in a film and give him a break. And uh, the guy went on and had a career. Well, you know, maybe the movie wasn't so good, but you could say, hey, I had Brad Pitt in a film. Uh, may have been at the beginning of his career. But here's the problem. What happens in between that? You know, when you're new and you're a fresh face, and that, that is an advantage, or you're the $20 million man, which you haven't quite made it there, but there's all these people in between that are now in obscurity that have worked some uh, or maybe have worked over the years uh, enough to have pretty good stuff on their reel, but they're not new anymore. So how do you sell somebody like that? It becomes an issue. So the, the problem is you need to learn how to sell yourself. And if you lose your agent or your manager and you're not picked up, and it's pretty difficult in this day and age to get an agent or a substantial agent. So you can be a thriving actor and not have an agent for a while. And if you don't know how to get one, then you've got the same problem as a brand-new actor. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, can we talk about that for a second? How do you sell yourself? So let's let's take you know three or four or five points through something from from the program, you know that that actors who are listening right now can go. Okay, I can start to apply that. You know, maybe they'll need more information, and certainly I'm sure they will. But but you know they got to have a good reel. That's why you said do the extra work. You know, so that you, and, and stay non-union until you have a, you know a, a good enough demo reel that that you're proud of and that works for you. So now they say they've got a demo reel and and and. Well, let me tell you how this can work, too, because, yeah, yeah, you know, once you have some stuff and you think you're ready to get an agent and go out there because you've got something that you think would, you know, 
probably impress an agent enough that they'd want to take you on. The thing not to do again, and most of the industry's things not to do, as opposed to things to do, well, by not doing them, you'll be doing the right thing, I guess you could say that, too. Uh, most people that have got some work, you know, they usually, you, you've met a few people by that point. And I, th- I personally think this is a mistake, uh, and, and I'll tell you why, that they'll ask another fellow actor, could you introduce me to your agent? Um, or maybe through a director or a producer. And that is the easy way of you know getting in that room, and you'll probably be seen by that agent and maybe even taken on by that agent. But in my mind, that's the worst way to go about getting an agent. Um, even if you're an actor who's out there and you're getting recommendations, you're better off cold-calling agents and letting your career speak for yourself, or if you have no career, you're you're submitting your image. In other words, when you submit your picture, you're not submitting you. You're submitting your image, and the and the uh, the agent reacts to that and goes, "Oh, I don't have a person like this. I wonder if they're any good." But that's good. What you want, because there is no good agent. Who's a good agent? Well, the only I mean, there's good agencies. I mean, people. Everybody wants to be in William Morris, ICM, Endeavor. You know, the bigger agencies. They've heard of that United Talent Agency. It's a huge, huge agency. Yeah, and there is an advantage being there. But if they don't want you, there's no advantage being there. There's no advantage to being with an agent who's not dying to have you. So sometimes this is a process of submitting to agents till somebody reacts to you, even if you're further along in your career. Because if you're getting an agent through a friend, they may say, the agent's in there going, gosh, if I don't take Joe, you know, Pete's going to be mad at me. So I'm going to take this guy. Well, guess what? You'll be with the agent and never be sent out. You'll be sitting there six months later because the guy didn't want to offend his client that he has that does work, so he took you on. But he wasn't really interested, but he didn't want to offend his friend or his client. So you're not just sitting there. Yeah, you got an agent, but you're not going out. That's the reason I think every actor has to go out, no matter if they're at the beginning of their career or whether their career is fairly advanced, is you've got to resubmit and people will call you back if they're interested. And that's the only kind of agent you should be interested in, one that really reacts to your image, thinks they can do something, because at this point, again, it becomes a business decision. All the all the agents think is, can I make money with this guy? Can I make money with his image? I don't have somebody like this, or this guy has a really good look, or the girl has a really good look. And they bring you in and see you're real and see if you have the level of ability and talent to back up that image. And that's what it's all about. So... I would advise anybody, you just go on a fishing expedition at that point, whether it's with an agent or a manager, and I wouldn't do this unless you have a reel, even at the beginning, uh, otherwise, you're, again, you're putting the cart before the horse. Uh, but see how different agents react to you. And, I mean, this is one of the things we teach you in the actor's journey. You're not going in there to be interviewed by the agent. I mean, in a way, you are. You're there to interview that agent to see what that agent can do for you from a business standpoint. You're there to interview him as much as he's interviewing you. And same thing with managers. You know, it's the same thing. When you get a manager, you're thinking about having a manager. Well, the question is, do you even really need a manager? If you're at the beginning of your career, maybe, maybe not. You know, some people just, you know, they don't have the stomach to make the cold calls. I mean, this is an industry, too, that really, you really have to be sort of aggressive (laughs) and politely aggressive. I mean, it's not like you're doing it in an offensive way, but I believe... Complete aggression is accepted as long as it's done politely. But if you're not of that nature, if you're the shy and retiring type, you're going to have a different, a very difficult time in show business. I mean, you may be a great actor and be shy. That's not going to, especially today, it's not going to help you. Uh, years ago when I got started, yes, the agents were very nurturing and they would help you along and they would do all the calling. 
If you get an agent or a manager today, that's only another way to get a job. Most actors, unless you're at the highest levels, um, you know, you're going to get most of your work. You'll probably get 60, 70% of your work. Your agent will get you a few jobs here and there. They collect the commissions. And by you still going out and doing the work and making the calls and doing the legwork, you advance your career. Well, that actually helps your agent because now you're viable. It makes it easier to sell you, and hopefully you become a star product, and they can say, hey, you know, we've, we've got Tony in our, our roster of actors, and he's now working all the time. So he's got a working actor. That's great. But at any level, you know, that's what I'm saying, even for the most senior actors, you've got to learn how to do this work yourself. And that's something that I think actors out of my generation – uh, are not used to, you know, er- everything that they've done has been sort of handed to them. And, uh, you know, the agents do the phone work, they do the leg work, and they don't know how to do it. They don't know the business. They only know the business when their phone rings. So that's a dangerous place to be in if you're suddenly dropped. Uh, excellent. Very, very excellent advice. Now, um, in the chat room, there, a person asked this. They said, uh, and let me see if I can scroll back to it. Um uh, a person said, a songwriter once said, don't chase the industry, make the industry chase you. Can this philosophy be applied to the film business? I I believe it can. Um, you know, I mean, I have certain vision about how actors even should go into that room, and you may be completely wrong. You're never going to know that. There's no provision when you walk in, say, on an interview, and you're walking in the door. You don't know what they're looking for. They may have a, an image and type in their mind, and you walk through the door, and I hate to say it's a cookie-cutter process, but a lot of it is. They know immediately, the second you walk through that door, whether you're under consideration or whether they're going to politely sit there, let you do the lines, thank you, and you go out the door. Um, well, you can approach it that way, and you know, but not knowing what they're looking for is a, is a real disadvantage. So the mindset, what I try and tell actors is, look, if you're walking through that door, your mindset has to be, you you are right for this part. You're going to deliver something that nobody else is going to deliver. And even if they weren't thinking of a character like you or maybe whatever, somebody tall, somebody short, you're a certain ethnicity, but somehow you got to the door and shouldn't even have been there, you just blow their socks off with, with your work. And you your job is to go in there and change their mind. Your job is to go in and change their mind. So they suddenly see this part done in a completely different way that they didn't expect, and they go with you. And I've seen that happen, I don't know how many times, plenty of times, where somebody wasn't even right for the part, but their interpretation of the role and the way they presented themselves changed the producer's mind, and they ended up going a different direction and going with that person. So, yeah, that's how you bend the industry back towards yourself, is you come in there and, you know, you're not in a hire-me mode. You just come in and you deliver and you walk out of the room and forget it if you get the call back. But... You, you can walk away confident knowing that you, you took the role and did what you did. You made your choices for that particular character. You delivered it, and you did a great job, and you walk out of the room. And if you did a good job, a lot of times, like I said, these people behind the desk can be persuaded to go another way. I have a personal experience where that happened. Uh, I wrote a, a musical one time. I didn't write the music. I wrote the book for it, and I had a partner that did uh-huh. the music. But we wrote it for uh, – there was a character in there that, that was all the way through uh, the musical. It's a pretty substantial part. But it was written for a guy about 53 years old, and and uh, that was practically the only older person in it. Um, the rest of them, there were a bunch of girls, but they were in their 20s, late 20s, and that was it. 
and uh, this older woman walked in, not older, but she was obviously, you know, 52, 53, uh, walked through the door, and we're like, well, who's she? You know, what is she, what part is she here for? How'd she get in the door? So we didn't know what to do with her first. I just said, well, just have her read the part of this manager. And so she ended up reading it, and I was like, I was impressed. I mean, I was impressed with what she did. She she made some choices, and they were valid, and, you know, she walked out of the room, and we were ready to move on to the next person. And I just turned to the uh, my other producer and said, you know what? I said, geez, she, she was so incredible. You know, I'm thinking she blew the socks off, off me. I don't know about you guys. They're going, same here. I go, what if this role was a woman, not a man? I said, I think it would actually be a much more interesting you know, character, she's a woman, very strong woman. So by this point, this conversation carried on for a couple of minutes, so we sent the stage manager running down the street to go get her, if, if we could, and he caught her just before she pulled away. And had, we brought her back in and read her a little bit more seriously, and she walked out of the room, and I go, I'm done, she's it. And uh, we called her immediately that night and told her she had the part. But I wasn't expecting that. But, you know, she came in and did something different. I wasn't anticipating the role to be a woman. And here's this woman came in and just blew us away and, you know, sold us. You know, she just came in, took over the part, and brought it to life and inhabited it. And we were like, wow. So that's your job as an actor. When you walk in that room, you you probably are going to be wrong, but it it doesn't matter. You go in and do what you want to do with it and what you think you can do. And that's... Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was saying, that's how you bend the industry to yourself, you know. You just don't compromise. You come in and you interpret the part. And that, that's where your skill as the actor is going to come in, and that's where you're finally going to get to use that, that part of what you learn, that part that's been sitting in your back pocket. And you'll get the job, you know. But, you know, here's another way just to look at the industry is, is you know, when you actually work, when you work on a set or when you get up on stage, that's not work. That's not work. That's your reward. That's your reward for the work you did to get that job. And, you know, you probably did a lot of legwork, submissions, and you finally got out there and interviewed and got the part. That was the work. That was the work. Now you got the part. That's the reward. That's the way you have to look at this. We have about, you know, maybe 10 minutes left or so in, in this segment together here today, Stan. And, and one of the things, I just want to say, I love that so much because. Uh, I don't think that most actors understand that. But my opinion, and, and I just want to call from from some of the things that you said, you know, uh, the way you make yourself memorable and the way you get yourself work is to be valuable and be a team player and to be professional and have a positive attitude, you know, and 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 to show up on the set and know what to do and 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 be a master of your craft and, and know the business side. Well, what I what I love, what I absolutely love. Is that in the old days? You know, we, I think a lot of people in my generation, and perhaps. Uh, I should say maybe our generation, but uh, and, and some younger people, you know, we idealize the, the James Dean notion, the Marlon Brando notion of acting, and you know, being belligerent or being shy or being mumbling or or you know, being you know, problematic on the set or you know, you know, all the kinds of myths and, and in some cases, you know, actual stories uh, about. But you know, to go, in, I, I I have said on my show a couple of times now that there are certain actors who I've watched and I've liked their work and they were great, but it wasn't until I met them in person or saw them in person or saw them being interviewed that I went, wow, now I know why they're working. Because the life that they have inside them, the, the little light that shines when they talk, when they speak, when they when they discuss their craft or other people, 
you know, people will say, for example, if you watch Rescue Me and you look at Dennis Leary, you know, in the in the role of Tommy Gavin, but you then watch Dennis Leary talk in an interview show, it's two, two completely different people. Two completely, and yeah. you know, almost everybody's that that way. I mean, Marlon Brando was nothing like his screen character. Right, right. But but what I'm what, but the point and the point I'm making though is is when you bring that kind of liveliness to to your own work to to the audition when you are a person who you what you said is you believe that you're going to do you know get the job you know have this positive attitude. Uh, you, you know, you can't sulk in and, and go. Well, I'm one of, you know, hundred people who look like me, and uh, geez, you know, I, you know, uh, you know. But to, but to really go in, you know, having your own, uh, your your own, I guess, chutzpah all in place, and then and then the idea that your job as an actor is to get the job. Your reward is the work on the set. Yeah. Um, and that most people don't think about. It. They think of the job as the, you know, I'm on the set, I got a job, and I have to go through these stupid auditions in order to get there, and I hate yeah. it. As opposed well, no, you to, shouldn't hate it. That's that's no. the the exactly. This, this is a lot of what the Actors Journey Project is about: is walking actors through the psychological aspects of doing this. And these are things you're never going to think of on your own, because again, most actors approach it where, oh God, I hate auditions. I'm terrible. No, I love it. Embrace right. it. Embrace it, because you know what? This is your chance to shine. This is a chance to bring your personality into that room and light up the room and then deliver a stellar performance and then walk out and have no regrets. So you can't approach it that way. That's what I'm saying. The approach that most actors have in every aspect of this is wrong. That's the reason actors don't get hired. Uh, you know, they're intimidated by the process. And, I mean, yeah, maybe in the beginning you should be a little bit, but... It just means you haven't had enough time in that room, in that judgment room, where you feel comfortable or learn the things that you can do to put yourself at ease and, and still be professional. Um, there are just so many little protocols and etiquette things that you, you either learn if you're perceptive or you don't. Or in the case of this project, we can tell you what they are, and you'll now have that in your repertoire of, of things that you can say and do and, and know how to handle yourself. But, I mean, it's that way all the way down the line. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes actors make is not really give the attention to really understand their image. You know, that that's really what inhibits, I think, a lot of actors from proceeding, too. They just have, they don't know their type. They really don't know what their type is. And they end up getting submitted for all the wrong stuff, stuff you would never be hired for because they see themselves in their mind's eye a certain way when that's not how the industry perceives them. And to really get real about that so that you increase the odds of you being hired. You know, is that something actors you know, don't my, think my, about. My, my hand goes shooting up in the air going, me, me, that's me. I mean, I, I was there. I know exactly. I, I would get all my pictures taken wrong, and people would tell me, well, we don't like these. I go, but, but this is me. And they'd go, no, you know, you're this guy. And, and a friend of mine, Brian Krause, was saying, you know, I know what kind of type I am. I'm not going to get the guy next door part. I'm going to get the, the kind of, I mean, and I'm putting words in his mouth, but I'm going to get the kind of rugged, handsome, leading man, you know, the guy who's going to, you know, do the fight scenes and all that. And I was like, well, I was the guy next door, but I kept wanting to be the guy that did the, the, the all the fight scenes. You know, I wanted to be the guy that got the girl. I never got the girl, you know, I, I, unless I attacked her, you know. But I mean, so I never understood my type as a young, as a, both the as a young actor, thing, but also actors don't. Oh boy, was I ever, you know, and they would yeah. say, you know, here they they had me up for a part that another friend of mine actually did, and I turned it down. I told the casting director, I mean, I was most insulted because they said we didn't. I wanted a particular part, and they gave me like the goofy guy part, and I went, not in your life, you know. And I walked out, and of course they never saw me again. You know, they well, just well, 
That's you know, what's important about understanding yeah. your type because it now allows right. you to realize whether your agent <laughs> understands your type. And if you right. don't know how to go through that, that's we have a whole segment on you know understanding your type and sort of embracing it because that is who you are. I mean, that is your advantage if you think about it. Right. Your advantage is, is you are you. There's nobody else like you. So, you, you know, if you imagine yourself as Brad Pitt, they don't need you. There we have Brad Pitt. We don't need you. You know, but you are you, so you've got to bring something else there, and there's nobody else that looks like you, sounds like you. That's what you're selling. You're selling you. Every single person that comes to this industry has to come with that approach that they are a unique person, they look unique, and there's nobody else like me. That's why I'm here. But, you know, getting back to, again, if you don't understand your type or know how to figure that out, you're not going to even know if you're – because maybe your agent, and believe me, these people are, are not perfect either are sending you out for roles you're never going to get because they don't understand your type. You know, if you're walking in and everybody in the room is six feet tall and you're 5'6", and you're going, well, wait a minute, this is for a basketball movie? What am I, the ball? You know? I mean, it's just crazy stuff like that. But you have to understand this because, again, these come down to understanding the business, and these are business decisions that are being made in some cases for you by other people. But if they don't know what they're doing and you don't realize that they don't know what they're doing, you got a problem. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we have literally maybe three minutes or so left before we need to say goodbye. And uh, is there any closing information? I mean, well, first off, it's theactorsjourney.com. Yeah, go to theactorsjourney.com. You'll you'll find us. Uh, like I said, there's you can find out about the people that are involved. This is kind of a new and landmark idea to be able to give actors uh, you know this this quality of information uh, via a program. In fact, we're trying to get this program in, integrated, hopefully, into the world of higher ed. Because Lord knows they're churning out all these actors every year, and I think uh, you know hopefully we're contacted by some of the universities and colleges that uh, you know look into this because they're turning out actors that are substantial when it comes to performance. But you know they also should take into consideration that these people have to do this as a business and to give them a, a business program to accompany it. Hopefully before they get started, because it's sure a lot easier to hit the ground running if you know what you're doing. So with the with the remaining uh, moments, could we? Uh, Give like one good piece of advice that that can send these people up. Besides getting the program, because that I think everyone should do. If you're an actor, uh, I, I heartily endorse this. I, what I what what but I guess something that they can do, a little homework that they can do, or something to help them uh, be more productive in their careers. Leave well, them with I, a golden I think being productive is just really staying open to anything. I mean, I've been in the industry industry 55 years and i learn something new every day there's no way to learn everything because everything is unique but you have to stay open to that there's never a point in time where you go whoa i finally know it all you know i I finally don't have to to study this or be observant anymore you are going you have to be embrace the idea that you're going to be learning things your entire life that sometimes are startling i mean just doing this project for me opened my eyes to a lot of things not only in front of the camera for what actors are going through, because I only had my own experience, but having brought in 100 people into this industry and heard about what they went through and comparing it and sifting through it so that this could be compiled and aggregated into information that's useful to other people that are just launching their career was mind-blowing, not only to me, but to some of the people that were involved in it who, 
you know, we, we're, we're limited by our own experiences. So that that's the beauty of a project like this or, you know, talking to other people in the industry. You're always going to find out something new and or maybe a new perspective of a way to look at something that you're just looking at it wrong or didn't look at it the, a particular way. So I think the idea behind doing this job is you just have to stay completely, completely open to everything. Awesome. That is absolutely awesome. And and you know what? And you are you are the right person for this because you know not only you have been in this industry for as long as you have in front of the camera, but you've produced, you direct, you write. You know, you've been on both sides. You've seen actors come in. You've been part of the casting process as you described. You know, so and then you know you surround yourself with you know these hundreds of other people who who are colleagues and friends and you know acquaintances who who offer suggestions and advice. So it. It is, uh, you know, a, a worthy, um, a worthy view and a worthy listen. I mean, people should really check into the actors. Yeah, journey. they should check into it because, like I said, you'll just save yourself so much time because you won't be doing the wrong things and spending because this is an expensive business to be in. You know, with the headshots, <laughs> you can do that over and over again, and you know, end up spending fifteen hundred dollars just on headshots because you don't know what you're doing or how to, you know, interview a photographer instead of waiting around for the photographer to interview you. You know, you're, you're taught how to do all that. Uh, but, yeah, every time you turn around, you're paying for something. <laughs> well, well, having said that, and, and I'll have you back, but having said that, let's let's take about a minute, um, and, and I'm, and I'm going to say it, but, I, but I've, I've heard it from you and from, from elsewhere. You know, you don't pay people for, for things that they should be paying you for. In other words, you never give money to agents or agencies. You never go to people who force a photographer or somebody on you. Um, you know, in other words, if, if it's a business uh, and you're hired, then, then you get paid. So, yeah, you know, th- those are kind of you know the obvious ones. Unfortunately, there are what we call gray areas too, where right. people do pay and it looks like it's on the up and up, and it kind of is. The question is is whether that's a good expenditure of money and and whether everything is being disclosed to you. You know, for instance, paid. You know, they have these casting uh, director workshops that. You know, you're paying to be there, and a lot of actors go in and think they're going to be hired. And in California, you're not. Why? And most actors don't find this out until they've done it four or five times. It's against California labor code. Can't pay to go on a job interview. Um, so, you know, that's never going to happen. And God forbid the casting director hires you. Now you just paid for a job. So everybody's violated California labor code, especially the casting director. So that's never going to happen. But is that disclosed to actors? No. They find out the hard way after they've spent their hard-earned money. I mean, there's so many little gray areas, too, like that. That is fantastic. Well, Stan, I know that uh, we're going to go. We're going to have Stanley back. We're going to announce when he's coming back. And uh, and so stay tuned. And stay tuned for all my other fabulous guests uh, that are coming up soon tomorrow. Rob Laurie, uh, director of Straw Dogs and The Contender. You're going to want to surely be there to listen to him as we discuss filmmaking. Uh, but, Stanley, and uh, you have been... Uh, an awesome source and an, and an often and an awesome beacon, you know, uh, uh, in the darkness, pointing light to what people can do to to advance their career and to make things happen and to 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 actually get control of their own career and move forward. And that is a is a wonderful, wonderful uh, a service and a wonderful uh, program that you're providing to people. So well, I appreciate uh, thank that. You. In turn, I thank all the 100 people that showed up, or the, about 150 people that showed up to do this, because we all felt committed to really help the acting community, the people that are coming into it now. But not only that, the people that are already in it that are re- really, really struggling because they were deficient, too, in this area. 
Awesome. Well, thank you. You've been a fabulous guest, and I look forward to uh, having you back very shortly or, or, or as soon as, as possible, as, as soon as schedule permits. I'll be talking to you in just a few minutes, but thank you so much for, for being here today. Thanks so much, Rex. I appreciate having me on. All right, Stan. And again, Stanley Livingston, My Three Sons, The Actor's Journey Project, and it's theactorsjourney.com. You can also uh, find Stanley on Facebook and uh, and, uh, and so friend him there. I uh, again want to remind you, Rod Lurie is coming up. Um, Brendan Moriarty is a director will be returning. I mean, I'm sorry, he's coming for the first time. Mark Frost will be here. Peter Marshall will be returning, and many more guests in the near future. So stay tuned to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official website is RexSykes.com. Please do share this interview and others with. Uh, all of your friends and industry connections. Uh, tweet about it now once the uh, interview is over, live or archived. Go ahead and tweet about it. Say, hey, I just listened to this interview with Stan, Stan, Stanley Livingston and Rex Sykes, and, and uh, you know you need to listen to it too. You know, Leave comments at the player. Uh, rate and review the shows at uh, iTunes. That's what you can do uh, to help us out because uh, I'm hoping that you enjoy all the valuable information you get from my guests and from the show and that uh, you will take it and you will share it and you will spread it and uh, and that you benefit by it. And, of course, that's the most important thing is that you benefit and that it adds value to you and your life. So having said that, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And um, you can join the Rex Sykes Movie Beat Facebook Friends page by clicking on the Like button. Uh, you can visit my profile at Facebook. I got interviewed recently by John Hoff. Uh, he's a listener. He's got a blog. You're going to want to do that. I've uploaded some uh, new video on my Rex Sykes Movie Beat YouTube channel. You might want to take a look at There's some new stuff up there uh, from a little uh, casting talk that I did for uh, college. And uh, all sorts of stuff. So uh, stay tuned and, and hang in there. And everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies. Complete your projects. Until we meet the next time, which is very soon, that is a wrap.